podcast, Everyday Sublime, Shedding Light on Yin Yoga and Meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers, and I'm a Yin Yoga and Meditation teacher and trainer, as well as a licensed acupuncturist. This podcast is intended to be an in-depth exploration of the intersections between Yin Yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. Each episode will offer a 10 to 15 minute reflection on one or several of those themes. And my hope is that these reflections will both support your practice and or your teaching of yin yoga and meditation. Now in this episode, I'll be continuing an introductory series on Chinese medical theory. Here, we'll have an introduction to meridians or to the channels or conduits through which qi circulates in the body. I'll be discussing some of the different types of meridians as well as their implication for our yoga practice. So let's get started. Okay, so I'm going to begin with an overview of what meridians are. While qi might be thought of as the organizing force of the body, as Dr. Daniel Keown notes, the channels or the meridians are the communicative network within which the signals of that organizing force are both propagated, conveyed, and directed. In this light, one way of thinking of the meridians of Chinese medicine is that they are channels of communication within the organism along which subtle informational signals are transmitted. For many years, Western researchers have been dismissive of the existence of Chinese meridians. They've been dismissive of qi, for that matter, as well, simply because whenever they dissected cadavers, they would fail to find the so-called meridians as detailed in Chinese medical manuals. But things are beginning to change in this regard. More recently, researchers who focus on the connective tissue and fascia of the body, people like Dr. Helen Langevin and Dr. James Oshman, for example, these researchers postulate that the meridians may be embedded in planes of connective tissue, And we'll see when we look more closely at connective tissue, collagen and water are actually the main constituents of connective tissue. And collagen is capable of generating and also conducting bioelectric signals. And additionally, water is also quite good at conducting those electrical signals. In his book, The Spark and the Machine, Dr. Daniel Keown refers to this bioelectricity as electricity, In other words, these subtle currents of electricity traveling through the body are a kind of qi. I won't go so far as to say that all qi is electrical, but it's certainly likely that the qi flowing to the meridians is in part electrical. Here's a passage from The Spark in the Machine that speaks to this by Dr. Daniel Keown. Quote, The sensation that patients often describe when having acupuncture is one of an electrical sensation, especially in the limbs. Some points especially create a sensation of tingling or electricity propagating down the limbs. And studies have shown that acupuncture points conduct electricity better than surrounding skin, that acupuncture channels conduct electricity better than surrounding tissue, and that channels and points are found in the fascia. Collagen, here's, and he's repeating what I was suggesting earlier, 
Collagen is the principal ingredient of the fascia, and collagen has both unusual conducting properties and also generates electricity. Most importantly, the fluid between the fascial planes conducts electricity very well. This fluid is free of any mechanical obstruction in health. In other words, when you're healthy, that fluid has, is free of mechanical obstructions. Okay, so that gives you a certain sense on the correlation between the anatomy of connective tissue and sort of the, some of the properties of connective tissue and the location and function of the meridians from a Chinese perspective. We're going to go back to the Chinese model now and look at what a meridian is. So the word meridian is a translation for the Chinese term Jing Luo. Jing, and please bear in mind those tones probably are incorrect, but Jing means to go through, and Luo means something that connects. Loosely, if we put these two terms together, Jing Luo are channels of energy that go through and also connect. An ancient Chinese medical text known as the Huangdi Nei Jing states, quote, the meridians move qi and blood, regulate the yin and the yang, moisten the tendons and the bones, and benefit the joints. Internally, the meridians connect with the organs, and externally with the joints, limbs, and outer surface of the body. In a subsequent lesson on functions of the meridians, I'll be discussing each of these functions more closely, both from a Western perspective and an Eastern view of things, and suggest ways that our yoga practice might assist the meridian system in performing its functions more directly. But it's important to emphasize that the Chinese model of meridians is not necessarily reducible to Western anatomical structures. And many Chinese medical practitioners resist this kind of reductionism. They insist the meridians are not blood vessels, nor are they nerve pathways. Rather, they are invisible networks of energy conductance, and it's a system that's internally coherent within itself. Quoting from Ted Kapchuk again in The Web That Has No Weaver, the meridians comprise an invisible lattice that links together all the fundamental textures or energies and organs. In Chinese medicine theory, these channels are unseen, but are thought to embody a kind of informational network. The qi and blood move along them, and a therapeutic system is conceptually organized through the detail of its design. Because the meridian system unifies all the parts of the body, it is essential for the maintenance of harmonious balance. Now that said, I personally am intrigued and very sympathetic to the speculative relationship between meridians and Western connective tissue structures, but I'll hold off on that for now. There are many different kinds of meridians referred to in Chinese medicine, but in general, there are two broad classifications that are addressed most frequently in therapeutic interventions. So there are meridians that are referred to as the 12 main channels, and there are meridians that are referred to as the eight extraordinary vessels. And I'll briefly introduce these meridian classifications now, and then examine them more closely in subsequent lessons. The 12 regular meridians correspond to the five yin organs and six yang organs of the body. Now you might be thinking, wait a minute, you said there are 12 regular meridians, but five yin organs and six yang organs only gives us 11 meridians. Where's, this, where's the 12th? Here's how we talk about that. In meridian theory, the pericardium, which is an organ, 
is treated as an independent organ with its own meridian, but in clinical application and in five-element theory, the pericardium is subsumed under the role of the heart. In other words, it doesn't have its own status as a unique yin organ. It works and functions very closely with the heart, which is why it is not granted its own status as an independent yin organ. One of the main functions of the meridian network, of the 12 main channels, is to form an interlinking union of connectivity through the body through which qi and blood are able to flow throughout the entirety of the body. These 12 regular meridians nourish their corresponding organs. In other words, they give their corresponding organs and sufficient qi and blood so they can carry out their functions, thus enabling these organs to carry out their roles of, for physiological and psychological health. And these 12 regular meridians also conduct the energy and vital substances produced by the organs to various other parts of the body. So they're conducting energy to nourish organs to function, but also then conducting the products of those organs to other parts of the body so that the whole system can function in a healthy manner. When considering the 12 meridians, it's helpful to know that there are six meridians that focus on the upper body and six meridians that focus on the lower body. So for the upper body, we have the lung, large intestine, pericardium, and triple burner, heart, and small intestine. These are the three yin, three yang meridians of the upper body. And then for the lower body, we have the kidney and bladder, liver and gallbladder, spleen and stomach. These are the yin and yang meridians of the lower body. But in addition to these 12 main meridians, there are also eight vessels known as the extraordinary vessels. And the eight extraordinary vessels are deeper within the body and serve and function as reservoirs for qi and blood. In part, they receive surplus qi and blood from the 12 regular channels, and also in turn, they will nourish those 12 regular channels if those channels become deficient in qi and blood. Here's Svoboda in Tao and Dharma again. Quote, While the regular meridians are perceived as subtle thread-like pathways, the extraordinary vessels are considered to be broad receptacles of qi and blood. Furthermore, the extraordinary vessels are considered a primary force in embryological development, being responsible for the organization of embryonic terrain and early life structural development. Two of the extraordinary vessels, the governing vessel, or du-mai, and the conception vessel, or ren-mai, have their own acupuncture points, through which their energetics are manipulated. But the remaining six vessels are accessed through acupuncture points on the regular channels. That can be a little confusing. Of the eight extraordinary vessels, two have their own points that can be manipulated or needled. The other six vessels don't have independent points of their own, but can be accessed through points on the regular 12 channels. Okay, how do we think about meridians and our yoga practice? The ancient masters of Chinese medicine and acupuncture have long recognized that the state of a person's health is determined by the quality and flow of their qi through their body. The meridian system serves, to some degree, as an irrigation network of qi. If that irrigation system is clogged or blocked, or if there is insufficient qi circulating through the irrigation system, then disharmonies inevitably develop. Yoga, yin and yang, along with breathing exercises, are wonderful ways of maintaining the health of a meridian and organ system. 
The theory is that stimulating the fascia within postures will both generate electric chi propagation, but also clear obstructions that block the free flow of that chi throughout the body. So the result of a dedicated yoga practice is that one's chi is both nourished and circulated more evenly and harmoniously throughout the field of the human body. So the crop of good health and well-being emerges organically and naturally. Okay, I'll stop there for now today. And in the next episode of Everyday Sublime, I'll continue with this introductory series on Chinese medical theory with a discussion of vital substances in Chinese medicine. These vital substances are the various manifestations of qi in the body, and they include essence, blood, qi, and fluids. I'll look forward to sharing that with you with insights again from my practice to yours. If you'd like to follow along with Everyday Sublime, please subscribe in iTunes. There's a link for you in the show notes, or you can subscribe directly on my site at joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. And if you'd like to study or train in yin yoga with me, please check out yinyogaschool.com. Thanks so much for listening today, and I'll see you in the next episode.